This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot BioProven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. The market for organic crops continues to grow, but many of us may wonder if it's worth the time, money, and risk to devote all or some of our acres to making the switch. This week, I visit with an Iowa farmer who did convert his acres to organic corn, beans, and more. We discuss what all of us should consider when it comes to changes in production, marketing, and labor. It could be a very good fit for some farmers. It's our topic for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Nationwide. You may know, besides hosting these programs, I'm a farmer and rancher. And like me, you probably have insurance and maybe you don't give it much thought after that. But that can be a big problem if you aren't protected. That's why I partnered with Nationwide, the number one farm insurer in the U.S. Founded by farmers nearly a century ago, they're committed to keeping us safe and protected. They helped me see a lot of what I'd overlooked. Are you protected from a ransomware attack? Do you have protection when leasing your ground? Those are just some of the many topics we cover in short videos. Just go to nationwide.com slash Andrew. That's nationwide.com slash Andrew to view those topics and see what we may have overlooked. And this week's show is sponsored by Pivot Bio. Nitrogen is always a concern for us with a corn crop. That's why for the past four seasons, I've been using Pivot Bio Proven 40 to provide my corn with nitrogen when it needs it, no matter the weather. Now that predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot Bio Proven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. It's been an easy way for me to incorporate Pivot BioProven 40 into my corn program. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. Noah Wendt farms in central Iowa, and during the past decade, he's converted his farm to ground to organic production. I really enjoyed visiting with him, as I know I always learn a lot when I visit with an organic producer, as there's so much information that can be applied to your farm, whether you produce conventional or organic crops. I came away with several ideas I could apply, and as Noah will share, there are many great resources available to producers right now who may be considering converting some acres to organic crops. Here's our conversation. My guest is Noah Wendt. He farms between Ankeny and Ames, and we're talking about a transition he made a few years ago into organic farming. Uh, Noah, I appreciate you taking time to visit, and why don't you just begin by talking about where you farm and the decision behind moving toward organic production? Yeah, just briefly, we, uh, me and my farm partner, Caleb Bacon, formed A&W Farms back in 2006. We farm conventionally until 2015 where we began to transition some of our acres to organic and since 2015 we've pretty steadily transitioned about 160 acres a year over to organic and now uh, about two-thirds of our operation is organic or in transition Um, so we we use that as a a three-year process we are able to get it down into two years just by positioning our crop rotations correctly and timing out 
when our last prohibited substance was applied um, and, and were able to transition into row crop production there in the third year of, of transition. And we usually try to get transitioned in with corn um, in the very first year that we're certified organic um, so we can have some good incomes come in to help make up for some of the losses that potentially are there from the transition years. Talk about why you got into organic farming. Was it taking advantage of specific markets? Were there soil health reasons? What led you to make the change? Yeah, quite honestly, in 2015, we were starting to see the farm economy kind of slump, and we're first-generation farmers. I'm from northeast Iowa, and he's from New York. And uh, we knew that we needed to do something different financially to make our operation more viable. So, yeah, quite honestly, in the beginning, it was financial. Um, as, as things have progressed and we've learned more about the nature of the business and the production, we have more motivations than financial now. There's a lot of soil health motivations, a lot of environmental motivations there, and also a lot of mental motivations. It's been challenging for us mentally, and we found a great deal of happiness that's come out of that. This is where I wanted to go because even if I'm a conventional farmer and I'm listening to this, there's still so much we can learn. So let's talk about the transition process toward organic. If I'm considering this, how far in advance do I need to be planning? Well, I certainly think that you want to be still be planning three years ahead because um, you do need to be thinking about the crop that that your last commercially grown crop is. And generally, we like to see that be corn um, so then we can have our first year transition be beans and our second year a small grain, which sets us up very nicely for the third year to be organic corn. Um, so, yeah. Even though you can kind of pinch that in under three years, you still do need to be thinking uh, three-plus years in advance just so you get that very last crop that you're growing commercially or non-organically kind of teed up right. I've had people ask me, do I need to be first thinking about how I will market that organic grain and making sure I have a place to go with my crop? Is, Is that the case? When we started, we did not. Uh, we, we really went with the goal of trying to pin down the production first and, and try to get good at that because that's tricky when all of a sudden you're not farming with anything synthetically. Um, it, with the goal in mind that we wanted to try to develop a better market as, as we got the production cycle down. And so actually two years ago, um, we purchased a grain elevator on the east side of Des Moines with some other partners that we've converted it over to handle just organic grains. So that was kind of the next phase of what we were thinking that how can we increase margins on what we're producing now. We felt very comfortable with the production cycle and and then, okay, what's the next step? So certainly that was always in the back of our minds on on how how to do a better job marketing, but it was one of those deals where the margins were still good enough that hey, we're okay with this, and when the time comes, the time comes, and it, and it came, and, and now we're developing that market. So does that mean you're working closely with the end user or companies that are bringing those products to retail? 
Yeah, absolutely. Our partnership on that elevator, we we have a general manager who's also a partner of the operational side of the elevator, and he is in direct contact with the end users. Um, So far, you know, what we've sold to is mainly chicken producers on the east and the west coast because they use a lot of corn, and they actually buy beans and crust their own beans for bean meal. But yeah, there's a lot of very close contact with the end users, and we have a pretty good pretty good handle on where the market's at at any given point in time. We really haven't discussed crops too much. Is it mostly corn and beans you're growing or are there other crops too? Yeah, there's a, a, quite a few different crops. That's the key to organic production is is having a crop rotation to help cycle pests, weeds, uh, you know, funguses, the, all those different things. And so an extended rotation is always very, very beneficial. Um, And so generally what we've done is a three-year rotation where we go beans, then a small grain, a small grain that has like alfalfa or clover planted with it, and then corn, and we get our nitrogen credit from the alfalfa and clover. Um, Over the last three to four years, though, we've been We've been reaching out and trying some different longer extended rotations where we can can implement some no-till practices into this also, like where we're no-tilling beans into cereal rye and then roller crimping the cereal rye, and that really reduces a lot of our tillage passes. Better for the environment, better for the soil. Um, the latest rotation that we're on now, and we just started that here this summer, is a four-year rotation where we're going corn, sunflowers, and the sunflowers are for oil, um, then a small grain, and then beans. And the, the reason behind that change in rotation is we think that we can get down to where we're just doing tillage two out of the four years um, by, by positioning those correctly we're putting in after our small grain we're putting in cereal rye that we then no-till beans into and roller crimp the cereal rye coming out of that um, we're, we're going to corn and we're able to do fairly minimal tillage coming out of the beans going into corn we still have to do some in row cultivation just to take care of weeds in season and then coming out of the corn going into sunflowers uh, it'd be about the same tillage tillage passes out of the sunflowers into a small grain essentially we're just out knocking the ridges off from the row crop cultivator to prepare the seed bed for the small grain and then there's no other tillage than that so we've really been focused on trying to do that that's better i think it's gonna be better for the environment if we can no-till two out of four years and also better for our just our our way of life or our our peace of mind that we're not working as much. When you set out on this, how much was trial and error and how much was using other resources? Because I want to get into what ways there are for others to learn uh, if they're considering making the switch to organic. Um, I would say we're probably 50% trial and error and 50% is resources from other people. Um, the trial and error are just things that we come up with on our own, trying like this four-year four crop rotation just through experiences that we've had growing the crops and then leaning on others. 
There's been some great resources out there, like the Iowa Organic Association has been a great resource for us to to team up with other farmers and and other business professionals that are members that we can kick ideas by and they'll share what they're doing on their farms. Uh, another great resource for us was Practical Farmers of Iowa has a great network of farmers and, and other agribusiness professionals that are more than willing to share a lot of information. And that's one thing that we found out about the production ag organic industry is that it's a very open-minded group of people, and they're always very, very willing to share what they have going on in their operations. Uh, there, there's no secrets, and that's awesome because we all need that to help each other out. Besides those resources, what other things are there out there? I hear USDA has programs as well. Is that right? Yeah, there definitely is. Uh, traditionally, USDA has had some programs through their EQIP program where we can get paid to plant cover crops, uh, cro- uh, cost share type of a deal on those. They've had a couple smaller transition to organic programs that have helped us put together in the very beginning, like in 2015, put together a transition plan. Um, but most recently, they've, they've introduced a new NRCS organic management standard. Uh, it's a new program. It's a three to five year conservation contracts for producers that are in organic transition or for producers that are already certified. And essentially, without going too far into the weeds here, payments are anywhere from $210 an acre for a simple row crop operation up to uh, $1,500 for a small farm that produces maybe uh, vegetables. Um, Producers will demonstrate they are certified or indicate the certifier they plan to work with, and then implement diverse rotations, weed, pest, soil, erosion management practices. Um, and just a side note of that, that, that being a brand new program, it, it looks very exciting. Uh, the next deadline on that is November 3rd to sign up for that. So I would urge anyone that's listening um, it, that that's going to be transitioning November 3rd is the deadline. For anyone that's already certified organic, there's no deadline. It's kind of a continuous sign-up. So and a, a little plug for the Iowa Organic Association, they're willing to help out as a resource to help direct you towards the NRCS and help out with any of that application process. When you eventually made the switch, then was it incrementally in order to make this work, or did you move in very quickly? Yeah, we definitely had to do it incrementally, and it was it was more from a financial standpoint. Uh, there wasn't these programs like this one that I just mentioned, so we were basically probably losing two to three hundred dollars an acre during the transition years, and we had to rely on our our non organic part of our farming operation to help subsidize that. So that that was our reason for going slow and just doing a little bit at a time so it wasn't such a big hit because i have heard of other farmers that would just go out and do it all at one whack and it it can it can devastate the farm financially so we definitely don't want to see that happen i'm curious if you'd have advice for conventional producers out there that may be listening because many of us, of course, are, and I'm betting there are things that you would tell us that we could change on our own conventional farms that would be benefits even if I'm not going to move totally organic. Yeah, that's a great question. And my number one on the list would be cover crops. Um, We were there 
before 2015 where we dabbled around and tried some cover crops here and there and we never really felt like they worked or they had a place in our operation and then when we moved to organic it became essential because we needed it for weed control we needed it for um, nitrogen fixation and I will attest to the fact that if you stay on it for two plus years you will see the benefits And, and I don't care if you're an organic farmer or non-organic farmer, you will see the benefits. So that one rises to the top of the list. And then branching off of that, there's several soil health things that are happening out there too um, that you start to realize after you're doing the cover crops and and even some no-till things. Let's talk about some of those things because you've mentioned several times soil health and other benefits. I'm interested in what you've seen. Yeah, definitely. I'll uh, use one farm, for example. It was actually the first farm that we transitioned in 2015. We had some soil tests done on that in 2017, I believe. And and I'm just going to give one indicator um, of of soil health here is the pH was about 6.1. And we recently, it would have been in 2022, we had another soil test pulled and the pH on that farm was up to 6.8, and we had applied no lime to the farm during that time period, which lime would bring the pH up if we had. But my belief is, and, and if you read into soil health, I believe it's true that that there's uh, removing the commercial fertilizers brings that up, and, and it, it just helps soil health so all these organisms are working together now and everything's changing working symbiotically there and that's just a very very rich way to do it and and that indicator showed us that hey what what we're doing here is making a difference some people listening to this of course will say those are good things but won't it take more time more labor i'll have to make more field passes and so on what what would you say yeah, it definitely does take a lot more labor because you know you're out there you're out there now trying to kill the weeds with tillage. So, you know, there's often times that we'll make uh, six to seven passes of tillage for weed management purposes. So, yeah, you're definitely out there a lot more, and that'd be versus like you might maybe are going to make two passes of tillage at the most with some other conventional non-organic farming practices. Um, but, you know, there again, the margin the margin is higher, and so you have the money there to help pay for that. Yield-wise, what have you experienced? Is it a dramatic difference, or have you been able to hold yields relatively close to conventional? You're getting paid more per bushel, I'm sure, so I'm guessing yields must be pretty good because it's working well for you economically. Yeah, th- that's a great question, and there is, from what we've seen, a yield drag. I would say, you know, on the average, maybe 10%. In some cases, we've seen years where we've done better on yield. Um, and the yield can be a little bit more variable from year to year, too. The the swings might be a little bit bigger. So I'll just speak on the average. If you were to do a 5 or a 10-year average, that we might be 10% behind. There's reasons for that. Like on the corn side of things, you can... If you're farming non-organically, you can go out and do a rescue treatment of nitrogen, and we really don't have that option with the organic. There's just little things like that 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 we don't have that advantage of, but the margin certainly makes up for that difference. 
But on average, if corn was, let's say, $5 per bushel, what might you be getting in the organic market? Or for beans, if they were $13 per bushel, what might I expect to be getting in the organic market? A, a general rule of thumb there, again, if you were to look at a 5 to 10-year average history, that it would be d- probably double the organic price. Um, that ebbs and flows. It just depends on supply and demand because that's th- this is a very true market to supply and demand. There's no price set on the Chicago Board of Trade or anything like that. There's no price discovery tool except for supply and demand. It is like the most basic. You are out there making phone calls, asking people what prices are, and that that's how the price is discovered. So it's it's an interesting twist to it. Um, and And the price does move slower than what it does on non-organic just because you don't have all the speculators and all those folks on the board Chicago Board of Trade that are trading that don't have a vested interest in the the crop itself. But all in all looking back about 10 years now for you it sounds like it's been a good switch for you and I can tell by visiting with you you are stimulated by the changes and thinking ahead to what you will do and how you will do it on your farm. Sure yeah yeah it's it's been a great change we've We've enjoyed that, and, and yeah, it, it makes us really happy to be thinking of all this stuff and what we have to do five, ten years down the road. It, it's it's a, bit, a brain bender, and that's been fun. So, Noah, what's ahead for the organic industry? Is there still plenty of unmet demand? Are there opportunities for others to get into organic and do well? Yeah, definitely. There There is plenty of demand. I, I don't know the exact statistics, but just dealing in the market that we've dealt in with our grain elevator, I would say right now, probably at least 75% of uh, the, the, the corn and the beans are imported from foreign countries. So, and I know that there's a pretty big push to keep that domestic. And, and if producers come to the plate and want to transition to organic, I, I believe that it's there. It'll just displace the imports and there's plenty of room to grow. You've mentioned some of this, but even if I live outside of Iowa, how do I begin to learn and get some of the resources to look at doing this? Yeah, I think one of the best places to start is the Iowa Organic Association. Um, through through a USDA program that also implemented this organic management standard where they're paying people to transition, They also implemented an organic mentorship program and the organic association, Iowa Organic Association was chosen to be the liaison on this mentor program. And just a couple notes about it, it helps expand technical support to transitioning farmers um, so they can work with a seasoned organic farmer in, in the region where they're at to become familiar with organic standards, requirements, and resources as in certifications and such. It's a free program for the mentee, and any mentors that might be listening to this that are organic farmers, they also receive, the mentors receive a $3,000 a year stipend um, to provide that mentorship. Um, If anyone is interested in that, I visit the Iowa Organic Association's homepage, and there will be a link on there that will get them directed towards that. I would say that is the greatest resource that's out there right now for people that are interested. In addition to those programs, have you been involved in any other things like uh, carbon programs or initiatives that will pay you for some of those practices? We've tended to use the ones that we've already talked about. We've investigated some other programs that are out there. Um, 
that are private and really haven't dug into them too much or participated. Uh, Practical Farmers of Iowa would be the only other one that they do have private funds that come in from businesses in the U.S. that help support planting cover crops. So we do take advantage of some of those. But for the most part, the ones that we've talked about so far are all that we've worked with. No, I really appreciate the time. I know I've learned a lot. I'm sure others have as well. And I'm sure if people want to learn more directly from you, they can probably reach out to you too. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll give you my phone number is 515-491-7915. And my email is w-e-n-d-t-n-o-a-h at hotmail.com. Feel free to reach out to me anytime. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways on many local radio stations, on your favorite podcast platform, or at farmingthecountryside.com, where it's easy to go back and search our archive for past shows and topics of interest. And you can follow Farming the Countryside and our daily show American Countryside on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. I hope your harvest is going well. We've been in the field now for about a week into the corn harvest. Be safe, and I'll catch you here next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com Andrew for answers to help protect your next. And by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.